At this time, I'm going to welcome up Pastor Marcus from New Philadelphia Church, Itaewon. Snap, it's packed up in here. God is good, amen? Man, God is, God is good. Man. <laughs> My name is Marcus Corpeting. I'm from New Philadelphia Church. I'm the Itaewon campus pastor, as well as the media pastor over the campuses. And if you're from another church, just want to say welcome to joint prayer meeting. Um, this is a time where we come together, not as any one particular church, small C, but capital C, we come together to pray as one church. And so we just want to say welcome. Man, God is good. Yeah, he's good. God is good. Amen. Y'all laughing at me because I'm saying God is good. Y'all should be like, yeah, he is good. Because God is good. Amen. Snap. (laughs) It's like. This joint prayer meeting has been going on for almost four years. So we've been meeting every third Saturday of the month. And we started in November of 2008. That's crazy. That's historic. That's amazing for people from different churches to come together. Even once is like a miracle, but to do it for almost four years, man, God is good. And it's so funny because as I was praying and asking the Lord what to talk about, what to talk about, what to talk about, he just began to remind me of his faithfulness over the past Almost four years, three and a half years. And how when this prayer meeting started, it started because of a word. It started because of a burden. It started because of a dream that God had been placing on men and women of God's hearts. Specifically a prophetic word. Do you guys remember that word? You guys that were here. It was that God would bring revival to this peninsula From those on the outside. I remember the first time I heard that word. I was like, I'm, I'm black. God's going to use me. I can't speak Korean. Like I try to pray for someone in Korean. I'm just like. Amen. That's all I got. After that, I'm saying like, be by pana Giselle. And something that God's been just speaking to me more and more as, especially for joint prayer meeting, is that God is 
he is preparing something amazing. And what we've been praying into, what we've been sowing into, even as Pastor John Michael was standing up here and he was quoting what Alan Hood had said about we need to take ourselves more seriously. I just felt this stirring in my heart because it's like, man, God, you have been so faithful. And every single prayer that we pray, none of it's wasted. None of it falls to the ground. It's not like you're wasting a Saturday night by coming out to this joint prayer meeting. In fact, this is the best way that you could spend your Saturday night by being here tonight. Amen. Amen. Some of you in the back like, I don't know about that. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I'm just going to be myself up here tonight. And so (laughs) some of you like, oh, I've never seen a person speak like that before. This is just me. Man, God is good. (laughs) Snap, John, God is good. (sighs) It was funny because as I I came in after at the last prayer topic, uh, because I drank a little too much water and I had to come back in and I saw the last prayer topic that Pastor John Michael was leading. And throughout the prayer topics, it's been weird. I couldn't stop laughing. Like even at the serious ones, I know that sounds bad. A lot of people are crying, but I was kind of laughing because everything that he was sharing was things that I felt the Lord wanted to talk to you tonight about. And then when I walked through the door and I saw that last topic, I was like, snap. All right. All right, Jesus, you're speaking tonight. I want to talk to you about dreams. Specifically, not what are your personal dreams for your life, but what are your dreams for Korea? What are your dreams for this nation? You're here. You're in this land. You're living here in Korea. What are your dreams for Korea? Like I said, when this joint prayer meeting started, it started with a dream. It started with revival coming from the outside, coming from people who may not be Korean or maybe they're Korean hyphen. And there's all these big dreams that we've been talking about for this nation. A unified Korea at World Cup, a unified Korea at the Olympics, a KTX that would go from Seoul all the way all the way up to North Korea. But what are your dreams for this nation? See, dreams are important because dreams set the map for your life. The size of your dreams tell how big you're going to live. A person that dreams small dreams lives a small life. But a person that is is free to dream big dreams will live a big life for God. And here in this nation, in Korea, what are your dreams for Korea? Your dreams for Korea, the prophetic words that you believe, the prophetic words and and the visions and the dreams that God's spoken to you. The way we steward them, the the way we believe in them, those things carry so much weight. In how we pray, how we live. And the impact that we have in this nation. So what are your dreams for Korea? 
I only ask you this question because God asked me this question first. And I said, I don't know. You know, you guys saw how much Korean I can speak. When I walk into McDonald's and I try and order a Shanghai spice, I even try and order it in Korean. Shanghai spice. I've got that joke memorized. Shanghai spice chicken burger set. See, y'all, y'all understand. But when I'm at McDonald's, they're like. One moment. They get the manager. What can I get for you, sir? I'm like, Shanghai Spice. <laughs> Shanghai Spice, please. Okay. When I walk down the street, you know, people stare at me. <laughs> and not like. Hey, it's like, hey. <laughs> I would admit, even as, even as a foreigner, as a, a Wagugan, as a, there's so many different terms that I've heard for, for me in this nation. Even at joint prayer meeting, there have been times where messages have been preached about Korea, about loving Korea, about dreaming for Korea, about believing for Korea. And a lot of those times I go, I close my heart. I'm not Korean. Why don't we ever pray about Africa? (laughs) And I ain't even African. I'm from North Carolina, y'all. What, what is it about this nation? What are the dreams that, that God has placed and spoken to us for this land? And more importantly, what are we doing about them? How are we stewarding those prophetic words? How are we stewarding that vision? How are we stewarding those dreams? When we pray and when we lead these topics about reunification and we talk about a unified Korea, these are big dreams. But they're bigger than just one prayer meeting. They're bigger than just one third Saturday out of the month. They're bigger than just you praying here and then going home and feeling, okay, it's done. It's so much bigger. What are you dreaming for Korea? Dreams are so important. I want to talk about someone in the Bible who had a dream. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 28. Some of you are probably like, we didn't even pray, but we did. We prayed a long time before I got up here. So we're good. I want to talk to you about Jacob and Jacob's dream. Most of us know this story. We know the story of Jacob. We know the dream that he had. But tonight I want to talk about it in a way that's maybe a little prophetic, maybe a way that's going to apply to each one of us directly. 
I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read verse by verse and then we'll break it down and we'll go through it together. Starting at verse 10. It says that Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. I want to stop right there. Jacob. Jacob is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. And in, and in this part, at this part of the story in Genesis chapter 28, to give you some background, Jacob's father, Isaac, his father had sent him to a, to a people that was not his own, to a land that was not his own. They, he had sent him to work for someone else, to serve somewhere else that was not his father's house. He sent him there and on the way, he stops in this area. The area's name actually is called Luz or Luz. I don't know how to pronounce it that well. But he stops in this particular area because the sun sets. And what he does is so peculiar. He grabs a stone from that land and he places it under his head and he rests. See, the father had sent him to a land that was not his own. And then in that land, he took a stone from the land and he began to rest in that land. You know, many of us, we're not necessarily like I said, we're not Korean or maybe we didn't grow up in Korea or even if we did grow up in Korea. The truth of the matter is, is that the father has sent you to this land. The father has sent you to a land that wasn't your own. Some of you say, well, I'm Korean, Korean. I, the father hasn't sent me here. You're at like an English ministry prayer meeting when you could be at any other Korean church. You know, the father sent you here. The father didn't, you know, I wanted you to know that the father has called you to Korea. I don't need this right now. The father has sent you to Korea. The father has called you to this land. I don't care if it's for six months or it's for 10 years or it's for a lifetime. God sent you here to Korea. Some people say, no, no, God, I'm, I'm here to make money. I'm here to make some money, maybe take a class or two, and then I'll go back to, to the land that's actually mine. But see, that's not true. See, God didn't send you anywhere to make money. See, God can, God doesn't have to send you anywhere to provide for your needs. The Bible says that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. All the silver and gold belongs to God. The Bible says that he will provide for your needs according to his riches and glory. Therefore, when God sends you to a place, he didn't send you there just so you could work a nine to five and then go home and save up money and work another nine to five and save up more money and then go back to America or wherever you're from. He sent you here. He could provide for your needs anywhere, but he sent you here for a purpose. See, many times when we, we say that God has sent us here, oh, I'm, he, I'm not here. I'm not here because God sent me here. I'm here to make money or I'm here just for to take some time off. God doesn't do time off. No, see, God sent, sent you here and he sent you here for a purpose. 
He sent you here because he wants to speak to you. He sent you here because he wants to change you. He sent you here because he wants to bring transformation, not just in your life, but in the entire land. You hearing me tonight, church? It cuts deep to hear that you're not here for the reasons you think you are. You know, the first time I came to Korea. Can, can I just be vulnerable? Okay, I came because of a girl. I thought I was going for my own reasons. And that's when the Lord ambushed me. <laughs> See, whenever the Lord, whenever you are in any particular place, the Lord has sent you there. You don't go on your own volition. He sends you because you're his child and he has a purpose for your life. See, Jacob was he was sent by his father to this particular place. And then all of a sudden he takes a stone from the land. And he begins to rest. You know, when you come to Korea, many of us, we act like we have nothing. I'm speaking. I'm being real with you tonight because there's things that can if these things aren't addressed when we pray and when we intercede and when we come together, it still causes a barrier between us and the land. You know, as a people of God, you can pray in a prayer meeting and then still go outside and hold a fence against the land. I remember my attitude towards Korea was that I didn't owe Korea anything. I'm here just for God. I'm here for what God, I don't, Korea, I don't care about this land. But the Lord showed me that I actually rest on everything that the Lord has put in this land. Like Jacob having to take a stone from the land to put under his head. Every single one of us, when we enter Korea, we're not, we're not resting on our own provision. It's on something that someone else has already placed there. Something that someone else has already had blood, sweat, and tears for. You know, when you go to your home, you weren't the one that built that. Someone else did. When you walk these streets in Seoul or wherever you live, you didn't build that. Someone else did. You know, we have so much to give to Korea, but Korea has given so much to us. What does this have to do with anything? We'll keep going. Jacob, he has this, he has, he goes to this land and he, he takes one of the stones of the place. He puts it under his head and he lays down to sleep. And then verse 12, it says that he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and to your offspring. How about you guys read verse 14? One, two, three. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob has this dream. 
And in this dream, the Lord speaks to him and he has, we all know this dream. This is a really famous dream. And in this dream, the first thing he sees are angels ascending and descending. And, you know, angels in the Bible, they represent God's power. It says that he will, that angels are ministering spirits. They're flames of fire that God's angels represent his power. But God's angels also represent his protection. So he has this dream representing God's power and his protection that's directed towards him. And then the second thing he sees is that he sees the Lord seated up on high and the Lord speaks to him. And the Lord says that he says to him what? The Abrahamic blessing. He speaks to him once again a promise that all through all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. And then the last thing he says is is a proclamation of God's presence that he will be with him in everything that he does. It sounds familiar. It's like Matthew 28, where Jesus says, all power and authority on heaven and earth have been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Right. Jesus tells us of his power and protection. And then the next thing he says is that of the proclamation for us to go and to, to reach all the nations. And then he says, surely I am with you through the very end of the age. The first time we see this in the Bible, we see it. We see it right here. With God speaking to Jacob, he speaks to him of his power, his protection. He speaks to him of his promise and of his presence. And here at joint prayer meeting, we know God's power, don't we? Living in Korea, especially here as we come together, we know we've received promises of God's power. We've heard promises of God's power to bring down the wall of separation between North and South Korea. Amen. We've heard of God's revival that would hit the entire peninsula. God's power being poured out. Amen. Amen. We've also heard God speak to us about a promise. You know, the promise over this nation is so much bigger than just reunification. The promise over this nation is so much bigger than just us having one flag. See, really what it's about is that this nation would come together and through Korea, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That from Korea, it would go to China and it would go to Southeast Asia. And then from there, it would go into India and it would go into the Middle East. And we would see that revival hit the entire nation and Jesus returns. Do you recognize that it's so much bigger than just a small prayer meeting? The promises that God has given us are big. The, the reason why I talked about dreams was because the size of the dreams says the size of the life you're called to live. And these are the words that we've been given. And then of God's presence. Man, God's presence is so thick at this joint prayer meeting, isn't it? During worship, I don't know why I was like smiling like a madman. I don't know what was going on. Because <laughs> I felt God's presence. I felt his nearness. And we enjoy that every single time that we come together. But that's a presence, that's a joy that is meant to accompany, accompany us everywhere we go. This is the dream. This is the prophetic word. This is what God has spoken to us. And it's amazing. But what's even more amazing than that is what God calls us to do with that word. 
What God calls us to do with these these prayers and these promises that God continues to give to us. See. Jacob in this story, he something amazing happens after he has this dream. See, Jacob, like I said, he was sent to this land by his father. He's going there to sleep. And as he's in the land, God speaks to him powerfully. And each and every one of us, I know that your story is that when you entered into this land, for some reason, God began to speak to you powerfully. For some reason, when you stepped into this nation of Korea, that's where you experienced the promise and the power and the presence of God entering your life in ways that you've maybe never experienced before. And this is what happens to Jacob. He's sitting there and he, he falls asleep. He knocks out on this rock. He is out. And God speaks to him in this dream. And then all of a sudden he wakes up. And when he wakes up, he does two amazing things. And this is what I want you to get tonight. And the first thing he does, I want us to look at verses 16 and 17. God gives him this dream. And then in verse 16, he says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. See, the first thing that happens when Jacob wakes up from his dream is that he goes from prophetic word to proclamation. The first thing that happens is that he has this dream. And then when he wakes up, he doesn't go, you know, I wonder if that word was from the Lord. You know, many times when we hear someone proclaim a big dream or a big promise or a big word, the first thing we say is, hmm, I don't know if that's, is that really from Jesus? I don't know. Let me, let me wait and see. Let me wait and see if North Korea will really open up. Let me wait and see if we will really have a unified soccer team. Let me wait and see if, if we're really going to see these promises fulfilled. You know, even when someone gives you a personal prophetic word, many times our attitude is, thank you, Jesus. Okay, all right, I don't, maybe it'll happen. Maybe I'll see it happen five years from now. Maybe I'll see this word happen later. But what Jacob does is so amazing. When he wakes up from his dream, he doesn't even ask whether or not the word was from Jesus. He doesn't even ask whether or not the word was from the Lord. The first thing he says was, surely the Lord is in this place. Not even whether or not the word was from the Lord. He says God is in the building. See, when the when the prophetic word goes out, when the dreams and the visions go out, what the first thing God wants you to recognize is that God is there. He wants you to recognize that God is in the place. And then the next thing he says, he says, how awesome is this place? But the interesting thing is he doesn't say how awesome is God. He says, how awesome is this place? How many times have we received a word from God or received a promise from God? And the first thing we say is how awesome is God? Or maybe even how awesome 
am I that God, that you would speak to me? Thank you, Jesus. But then we look at the land where God spoke us to, and we still think it's desolate. But see, when an awesome God speaks to you in a desolate place, the place doesn't become desolate. God doesn't become desolate. The place becomes awesome. When God speaks to us here in Itaewon, when God speaks to us here at this meeting, what happens is that this place that is desolate with our natural eye becomes awesome. That when we look out over this Korean peninsula, when we look into North Korea and God speaks to us about North Korea, we can't continue to look at North Korea and say that it's desolate. No, it is awesome. Because the moment God speaks to you, God doesn't speak to you without coming to you. God's an intimate God. He's a personal God. And if he wants to talk to you, that means his presence has to be where you are. And if his presence comes to where you are, that means every place changes. He goes immediately into proclaiming. He gets that prophetic word. And the first thing he does is he begins to proclaim over the land. How awesome is this place? How awesome is this God? How awesome is the place where God has spoken to me? How many of us have said in our prayers, how awesome is Korea? How awesome is this land? How awesome is this nation? I'll be honest, I haven't. When I was in McDonald's, I was not thinking, how awesome is this land? (laughs) See, God wants you to go from not just receiving that prophetic word for yourself, not just perceiving that promise for yourself, that it's something that you would receive and you would see. But it's something that you begin to receive and believe for an entire nation. See, that's called prophetic intercession. When God speaks something to you, it's never just for you. See, when God spoke to Jacob, Jacob understood that it wasn't just for him. He understood that that word was not just for him to be blessed. And the funny thing is, is God spoke just directly to him. He said, I will give to you. I will bless you. I will I will multiply you. But the first thing that Jacob stands up and says is God's going to release it over this place. See, when you begin to learn how to pray and proclaim according to what God has revealed through his dreams and through his visions and through the prophetic words, your prayers begin to change things. When you begin to learn how to pray according to the prophecies that you've received and you don't forget them. What begins to happen is that doors begin to open. See, many times we forget the prophetic words that have been given. We forget what God has spoken. When I asked about what was what was the word that started this joint prayer meeting? I think one person was like, yeah, I know. But when you when you know those things, you hold on to those things, you pray according to those things. It's like a key that opens a door. When you forget, you can keep praying, but it's like taking a battering ram to that door. It's going to take a lot more effort. 
But when you have that word and you begin to understand that it's for an entire area, it opens those doors immediately. You understand what I'm saying? The second thing he does. And this is the this is the part that kills me. This is the part that's so crazy. Is that not only does he not as not only does he go from the prophetic word to proclaiming it. But he goes from allowing that prophetic word to change the way not only that he looks at the land, but the way that he interacts with the land and his people. Verses 18 to 19. After he proclaims how awesome is this place, this is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, even though the name of the city was Luz at first. It's so amazing that when God speaks to Jacob and when God speaks to him and gives him this vision, gives him this dream, gives him this word. Not only does he proclaim, man, this how awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. This is where God is moving. But he takes the very thing that he's been resting on. He takes the very thing that he's been relying on as his provision for rest and he anoints it. He takes that very thing and he sets it up as a pillar to build the house of God. See, what what the Lord is saying to you tonight is this. Is that when North Korea opens up, when when things when God begins to bring reunification into this land, it's not something that's just it's not provision and all these different things that are going to come from the outside. He's going to ask, are you taking the things that you've been resting on in this land and are you anointing them? Have you begun to change the way that you look at the very things that you're relying on? He took the thing that he was laying on, the thing that he was resting upon, and he anointed it. And he began to build the house of God with that thing. Many of you say, well, I don't have what I need. I don't know if, if I have everything I need to move forward as God's calling me to move forward. And God says, why don't you take that stone? Why don't you take what I've given to you freely in this land? And why don't you begin to proclaim God's anointing upon it? Why don't you begin to look at this land, not as desolate, but as anointed? Why don't we begin to start looking at the people in this land, not as broken or not as people that get on our nerves, but people that are anointed and set apart. See, many times for us, there's a disconnect between what God speaks to us in in the church sanctuary and what we believe outside on the street. And here in this place, we can pray for mercy and we can declare God's goodness and we can declare God's anointing on the people. When we step outside and Ajima bumps us and we're like, watch it, Ajima, you've been watching. We get on the subway and someone's all over us and all of a sudden. We sit down and we realize that we're eating vegetables the whole time and we want some meat. Okay, maybe that was a little personal. I just want I just want to know if your view of this land is that it's anointed. If your view of Korea is that it's anointed. 
that this land is anointed, that this place is anointed, that this city is anointed, not that it's desolate, but that it's anointed, that this is where the house of God is, that this is where the increase is coming from, that this is where God is going to build his house. Because when North Korea opens up, God's going to be looking to people that will look at that land and call it anointed. God's going to be looking to people that can look at those people and say they're set apart. To look at those people and say they're not desolate, but that they are chosen. But before you can do it in North Korea, you have to do it here. So what are, what are you believing for this land? What are you believing for South Korea? What are we believing in our hearts about this land? And, and how are we living as we walk out of these doors? Because reunification is coming soon. It's coming very soon. And God wants his people ready. He wants us ready in our hearts. He wants us ready in our lives. Because we're going to be the ones that the world looks to. To disciple, to minister, to rebuild the fallen ruins. I want us to, uh, before we go into a time of prayer, I want to read out a dream. And this is a, this is a word that the Lord gave to a friend of, of New Philadelphia. And then he, he gave it to us. And it was when we were, it was back in 2010. And during this time at New Philadelphia Church, we were having this um, 21 days. We were just interceding and fasting. 21 day fast. And at the end of it, this, this prophetic word was released about North Korea. And it centered around a dream. And I'm going to read out this dream. And I want you, I want you to. Close your eyes and I want you to begin to open up your heart to this again. And then we're going to pray according to this dream. It's a blueprint in a dream. This is what it says. In 2003, my friend Joe had a series of dreams. It was a single dream that was repeated every night for 12 weeks. Each night revealing a little more to Joe. Joe saw a long and narrow land bounded by the ocean and mountains. The land was divided. The land. The land was divided with a line into north and south and covered with dry bones. In the dream, Joe began to cry because the land was divided and desolate. He turned to the north and saw a group of old women dressed in tattered clothes who were dancing with brass feet. And then he turned to the south and saw men arise. He called them men of stature because they were dressed in dark suits and were taller than the women to the north. He turned to the east and saw a group of children with staffs in their hands. Some of the staffs were half dark wood and half light wood. Some all one wood and some were made of gold. And they all looked like they had writing carved on them. Joe then turned to the west and saw families standing together. 
They looked as though they had been reunited. They were glowing in a brilliant light and they were extremely happy. Joe's dream is about Korea. It's about God's plan to make Korea one. Joe had this series of dreams seven years ago. The time is at hand for its fulfillment. The land is divided. The bones of the starving and persecuted are piling up. God must come. He will come. The women with brass feet show us a picture of the free market sellers in the north who have tasted a bit of freedom. Most are women and many may be Christians disenfranchised from official systems. This is the first step in God's plan for reunification. God has given them brass feet speaking of judgment so that they can tread on the serpent that holds the north in bondage. But to help them, God has risen up men in the south, men in suits. I see that they are pastors of churches and leaders of ministries. These men of stature are raised up in order to help the women with brass feet, eventually to help all of the North Korean people once they have been released from their bondage. God is not planning a governmental solution here. He's calling the church to arise in stature and take up the role that he has ordained for us in this end time plan. The next step in God's plan is for the brothers to raise up children and youth who will stand in the east for their divided country. They will receive spiritual authority and stand for their people with fervent hearts and passionate prayer. God loves the hearts of the youth. When the youth turn their hearts towards God and his purposes with abandonment, this ignites the heart of God. Further, the nation will go from a divided staff of dark and like woods to a unified staff made of one wood and then to a glorified staff of pure gold. God will wield this nation, Korea, as one staff in his hand, a staff of glory and authority as he moves among the nations of the world. And the last step in this progression is the reuniting of the families. There will be a, this will be a glorious thing in the earth. As families come together, this miracle will release a supernatural light upon them. They will be filled with joy, with the light of God, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. They will stand with each other by the sea and among the mountains, while the whole nation fills with the light of God's glory. I want us to pray right now, and I want us to pray for Korea. I want us to pray for Korea as one peninsula. And I want us to go, I want us to pray, and I want us to begin to proclaim this word over the land once again. I want us to proclaim that in this land, that reunification is coming. That that Korea as one unified land is prosperous. And that God is raising up these women in the north with the brass feet that are stomping on the work of the serpent in the north. And that in the south, God is raising up pastors. God is raising up ministries. God is raising up people that are making themselves ready for reunification. And I want us to pray for the youth to be risen up with spiritual authority, with fervent hearts and passionate prayer. And I want us to pray for the reuniting of families on the earth. These are all things that we've been praying for. But I want us to commit ourselves and begin to pray for these things again. All right, church, let's just begin. To, let's pray for North Korea. Let's pray for South Korea. And let's pray according to the dreams that God has given us. Let's pray.